Friday, final hour of the Bill Michael Show. Getting this, getting ready to send you off this weekend. Phone number 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up uh, in the next 15 minutes? Do it. Coming up here in about 15 minutes, we're going to talk with uh, our guy Mike Clemens as we get ready for a Packerless weekend, but a lot to pay attention to. Obviously, you got some Bucks basketball tonight, and on Sunday, you got college hoops as well. You've got uh, the Army Navy game coming up this weekend. You got NFL on uh, on Sunday. So there's a, there's a lot to to kind of consume you. Uh, but maybe you're going to do some other things. Maybe do a little holiday shopping, or you know, the one thing I have noticed, and uh, Kristen and I was talking, we we're talking about this yesterday. The malls and the stores are really crowded. For everybody that over the last couple of years learned how to shop at home, it seems like people want to go back out. They And don't get me wrong, you don't like the aggravation of the hustle and bustle of the holiday season and traffic gets long and stuff. But uh, we were out last night and people are out. I mean, crowded out. Lines at uh, – the one thing I will say, I know that a lot of these retail outlets – uh, especially some of the grocery stores, by the way, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna name them, not yet, but to go places and have lines to check out because you don't want to bring cashiers in because you don't want to pay them, and the self checkouts are half shut down, and you've got one person on the self checkout, and they, boy, you talk about aggravation. There were people last night leaving loads in their carts and just walking out because of it. Is it really worth it to save a few bucks an hour? Not to have a couple of extra lanes open. I don't know. I don't know. But that's the only thing that I saw last night that was aggravating. Other than that, I had a great time. Well, not to Walking mention in. the voice on that self-checkout system is just right? atrocious. Well, here's my problem, and I know we're getting completely off topic. Here's my problem with self-checkout. Now, there's the self-checkout where you scan it yourself. Then there's the self-checkout where you scan it yourself and you put it on the conveyor like you would at an old grocery store, and then it takes it down to the end and you bag it yourself. The problem I have is some items, you'll scan it and you'll drop it in the bag, and it, it doesn't have enough weight to it. So it says, please put item in, in you know, cart area or whatever, whatever the hell it is, or bag area. And it won't go until you do. And so, I'm, you know, you're hitting it with your knee, you're punching it with your fist, you, you know, you're doing all that, and it just keeps yelling at you, and it's like, I, what, what are you supposed to do? That's my aggravation. If I had to, if I had to go through the list of things that aggravate me in the holiday season, when I was I was doing self checkout today was easy, but I was doing self checkout yesterday, and I'm trying to scan. Uh, I went to buy a bottle of bitters for the bar for mixed drinks. I kept I scanned it. I kept putting it on the belt. Said it won't go on the belt. Please put item on the belt, and the belt won't move. It will not do your order. I, so I pick it up and I drop it, and then it would say, "Please, re, please replace uh, item on belt." So it felt me take it off, but it never felt me put it on. This went on for like five minutes, and because they don't hire anybody, there's nobody there to come and help you. So it just kept backing up the belt and backing up the belt, and I drop it on it again, and then it would tell me to put item on belt. So I pick it up, and then when I pick it up, it'd say put item back on belt, and I drop it back. Oh my god! It was like, am I being filmed? Am I like on jackass or something? It was it was ridiculous. Where you start looking around, and God forbid you put a a bag of cheese puffs on there because it doesn't feel the cheese puffs at all. So that that's my only argument during the holiday. Otherwise, I love I love walking around listening to Christmas music and stuff. I love that stuff. Good stuff. Um, anything else, Ben, in the world of aggravation when it comes to uh, retail shopping? No, I hate them all. Uh, the only time I hate them all is when people 
do not they're not cognizant of those around them and they walk real slow they're five wide they just stop all of a sudden to look at their phone or something uh i have been known to at times very gently run into people and go oh i'm sorry you stopped real quick oh okay so so there you go that's if you see me in the mall and you're one of these people that are looking at your phone, you're strolling, and you've got five people wide with you, uh, I look at it as like I'm a running back at that point in time to where, yeah, I've got to find the hole and go. Otherwise, I'm going to make my own. So if you happen to stop real quick, I'm the guy that will step on your heel or because I, you, do, you try to jingle, the, like rustle the bag that you're carrying, you know, to let people know you're behind them and they have, they're in their own world and don't give two dams about you. So I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your ankle and break it. I, I really didn't. I'm sorry. And that's what happened. There you go. All right. Just a tip from me to you. Cool. <laughs> you're easy to spot because you're walking around with a ruler. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> oh, Mark says F the uh, self-checkout. Can't stand it. A complicated fella says, tired of checking out once and then having to uh, scan before you go out the door as well. So stupid. Uh, yeah, wasn't it Walmart that put something out about uh, the amount of inventory they're losing because people are stealing through self-checkout, but they refuse to hire anybody to actually check you out? So it's like, what? Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Have you ever gotten anything free from the self-checkout because it didn't scan or whatever? No, never. Uh, I did once, one time, and I didn't. It didn't dawn on me until I got home, and I, then I felt so guilty. I went back and paid for it, and that was a uh, um, a bottle of liquor because it never. It dawned on me. It, it went bloop and it scanned, but it didn't ask for my age. You know how that always does. It'll stop, and then you got to have somebody come over and verify it. Never asked for it, so I just put it in the bag. And it never stopped me. And then I got home and I went, why didn't it ask for my age? And I looked and it says uh, a waiting uh, attendant on my on my my thing, on the uh, receipt. So I never paid for it. It was a $27 bottle of liquor or whatever. So I went back. It was wine, wine actually. I went back and paid it the next day. Felt bad. Not to mention, you know you're on camera. Last thing I need is somebody going, hey, look, Bill Michaels just stole a bottle of wine from Metro Market. It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh my goodness what a day i'm having fun today um what else do we have here what else we got uh let's see here we'll soon surpass 1000 fps scholarship players in the transfer portal the breakdown of total active players by position 69 quarterbacks 85 running backs 153 wide receivers 43 tight ends 113 offensive linemen 135 defensive linemen 112 linebackers and 2008 dbs and then there's kickers punters long snappers 29 of them all in the transfer portal how about that the transfer portal came around because of covid correct me if i'm wrong ben kind of it, it, it came out during COVID, so and, and with some of the you know the coaches moving and leaving and stuff, there was an argument to be made that, hey, if you recruit a kid and then you leave, the kid should be able to leave too without any repercussion. But now it's gotten to the point where it's basically free agency. 
Yeah, in a way. It kind of came about when there was this archaic rule that whenever you transferred, you had to sit out a year. And Correct. there were ways to apply for waivers, but it was so arbitrary and there was no set rule. So then they decided, okay, let's allow everyone one free transfer and then right. you have to sit out the second time you do it. And then that led right. to the portal, which then led to portal windows. That's why it's all happening now. There's a 45-day mm-hmm. period where you can enter. Um, right. And, yeah, yeah, it's kind of free agency. I also, there are reasons it's crazier this year than it's ever been, and it won't be this crazy again, yet it, it does. it is kind of out of control at the moment. Mm-hmm. It is. It is just basically free agency. It's college football free agency and now with the nil it's even more so because now you can go to a school you can commit you can do your thing figure out what your demand is and then get into the portal and say all right now i'm open to the highest bidder here we go and that's that's kind of what it's become it's go test the waters, see what you're at see what you can kind of get either you're going to get playing time and be great and you can transfer or to the opposite side, you can uh, not get the playing time you want and then figure it out and go be be great at a different program. But it's, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of the, uh, the free agency portal now is what it is. Which does help a new coach like Luke Fickle, mm-hmm. for instance, yeah. build or at least replenish a roster as he goes into his first year. It's not as if yeah. he has to take three years to build it. Right. Uh, Joel says, I think it's ridiculous what's going on in college football. Wasn't it supposed to be about the amateur athlete? Joel, I, look, traditionally, yes, 100% agree. But the money has become so staggeringly stupid that, and the fact that they were making money on the likenesses of the college athletes, it, ha- it had to trickle down at some point. You, you, you knew it was coming. When you start talking about when they first did the NCAA basketball tournament for over a billion dollars, that was it. You knew it was coming. You knew that uh, eventually the, the the players were going to start to be paid in some facet because it just it's the money's stupid for what's supposed to be amateur unpaid athletics, and then that comes. Yeah, it you you knew it was on the horizon. So now when you're talking about schools making $100 million a year just off of their, their, you know, when you talk about the big five conferences, specifically Big Ten and SEC, just off of the television deals, just off of the marketing deals, each school's getting $100 million. Granted, you, you, you know, <laughs> you can do a lot of nice things with $100 bucks for your athletic department, but at some point, man, you knew the players were going to get a cut. If you're featuring these guys in commercials, if you're featuring these guys with jerseys inside, you know, pro shops, if you're featuring these guys in games inside, it all came to a head. And finally, it was just like, nope, we're going to pay these guys. We're going to allow them to make their own money in some way, shape, or form. And the guys that act, the guy and girls for that matter, the guys and girls that can actually make money off of their likeness because they are that sought after, they have a right to. You can't, you can't deter that. So. You knew it was coming. Uh, speaking of, you know it's coming. Our good buddy Mike Clement's going to be joining us. Mike is going to join us coming up next. This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at Robert Specialty Meats. If you got look, we just went down there this past weekend. 
and picked up a bunch of Italian, ground Italian sausage for the jalapeno poppers that uh, we're making for tomorrow night's party. I shouldn't say we're. I'm not doing a damn thing. Kristen is. But you, you, Robert's Specialty Meats carries all kinds of specialty stuff. They are your hometown butcher, Sunset Avenue in Waukesha. Go to robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. That's robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. Again, robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. And see for yourself. Stay tuned. A whole lot more of The Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Second and ten, Mayfield to the end zone to Jefferson. Is that possible? Touchdown. This is impossible. They go 98 yards. I think it's really just taking things a day at a time, but hopefully we'll have a little bit more things that we can present uh, to what we know is an excellent Green Bay team. I don't care what their record is. Um, you know, know them too well, their personnel, their coaches, um, and it's going to be a great challenge going to Lambeau on Monday night. There you go. They get a big win last night. The Rams did with Baker Mayfield coming into the system. And my, oh, my, what a game it was and the way it ended last night. Absolutely fantastic. This portion of the program and Mike Clemens brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, just a mile from Lambeau. And if you're looking for just a, a weekend stay, an overnight stay, maybe you want to go to the Hall of Fame, check it out. Uh, so many different things you can do up in Green Bay. Stop by the Bay Motel Green Bay. Go to baymotelgreenbay.com. That is Bay MotelGreenBay.com. That's BayMotelGreenBay.com on South Military Avenue. Or just call them, 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441. Mike Clemens now joining us on the hotline. Michael, how you doing, bud? Pretty good. So, you know, even if the Rams, in fact, were not the next team that the Green Bay Packers were going to face a week from Monday on Monday Night Football, um, I don't think I could have taken my eyes off of that game last night because – of what was going on. I mean, for ba- for Baker Mayfield to fly in from Carolina on Tuesday and be the starting quarterback on Thursday is was a compelling story, no question. Um, but, and, you know, I was actually, I was starting to watching his numbers, and he finished the night um, 23 of 35 for 230 yards and a quarterback rating of 94-1. I'm thinking, that's pretty close to what Rodgers has had against the Bears the other day. <laughs> mm-hmm, and right. Actually, he had a better night because Rodgers was 18 of 31 for 182 yards and a quarterback rating of 85.7. I put that on Twitter and everybody gets all angry. Like, well, what are you saying? You know, I'm not saying they replace Aaron Rodgers with Baker, Baker Mayfield. I'm saying Baker Mayfield walked into the Rams system under Sean McVay and put more points or moved the ball a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers did against a banged-up Bears defense. And to me, last night points out how complicated these games get. And last night, Baker Mayfield, I mean, he, he was aware of the things that they had to do. But at the end of the day, he's looking around and throws to the open man, right? Instead mm-hmm. of making this all so complicated. The uh, Mike, last night, it was uh, it was a fun game to watch. I mean, I enjoyed it. And uh, the... The, the fact is that <laughs> you mentioned that he walks in and he gets it done. You know, Sean McVay talked about it after the game. I mean, this was a guy that didn't even, like, know, you know, signals, calls, cadences, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you, you just walk in and get it done. Yeah, you know, the, the game is more complicated. I mean, when you're in a short-yarded situation, 
your cadence is what the offense line is used to, and you can't have guys jumping off sides. And these guys want to be on point because they need to get that step on the defense. They need every advantage that they can. So Baker Mayfield, was, you know, he did know the, the cadence for short yardage. By the way, that 98-yard drive to score the winning touchdown, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, uh, was an NFL record for under two minutes to have a scoring drive. Last time it was done, it was like 45 years ago. And, you know, and they had a lot of holding and offsides penalties. I mean, the rest were throwing an awful lot of flags, and yet you know, Mayfield still got back in there and, and got first downs. And so Sean McVay talked about the, that after the game. I can't say enough about the defense to get the stop to even allow the offense to be able to get back out on the field to go 98 yards. That's the first time under two minutes in a game winning drive that that's happened in 45 seasons. Kevin Demoff just told me, I mean, even when we're clocking it, you're having to explain to Baker, hey, here's our clock mechanics right here. You're underneath the center. This is what the cadence is. And I mean, but guys made plays. I thought the offensive line protection, uh, you know, was outstanding. But whether it's Ben Skoranek, whether it's Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson being able to finish it out, even on the touchdown, what a catch by Cam Akers on the sideline on the previous scoring drive to even allow us to be able to get the first down where he ends up punching it in. And you can't say enough about Baker Mayfield and the leadership, the resilience, the competitiveness, um, you know, and, and what a quick study. I mean, he just got here five minutes ago and, and figured out a way to, to be able to do some special things tonight. And there was a lot of plays that we had going in a positive direction that ended up getting called back. Um, you know, Sean McVay, for a lot of talk about him possibly being done at the end of the year and this being an incredibly rough season and on and on and on. Boy, you talk about a guy that looked juice last night in the locker room after the game and Baker Mayfield screaming and flexing up in the whole thing and the game ball and – that looked like a joyous group of people last night for a four-win team. Rams have been decimated with injuries. They just won a Super Bowl, and often, and they've had the the, the, the steepest decline or drop for a, uh, a Super Bowl champion, and then this six-game losing streak. Remember the story, you know, two years ago where uh, they wanted to move on from Jared Goff. He happens, Sean McVay happens to have a little vacation in the Caribbean, just happens to have the same cabana as Matthew Stafford. Right. And they're down there had talking drinks and, you know, hey, it was just accidental. Sure, right, you know. But, you know, he saw a good quarterback stuck in a crappy system in Detroit and said, I could probably get us to the next level if I had a guy like Matthew Stafford. And so they pull off that trade and they bring him to L.A. and son of a gun, they... Won the Super Bowl with him last year. Now Matthew's there on the sidelines last night with spinal contusions. He's had a series of back injuries. Now Baker Mayfield flies in after asking for his release from the uh, from the Carolina Panthers. And Mayfield came in that class where there's a bunch of quarterbacks. Mayfield out of Oklahoma, the Heisman winner, at Sam Darnold, who, who to me just did not look like, I don't know if he got it. And I was at that combine. Josh Rosen who who's very arrogant, very cocky. And then there was mm-hmm. the big six-foot-five kid who flat-footed could throw the ball 75 yards, and to me, sounded like Brett Favre, a team guy, and that was Josh Allen. So Baker Mayfield was working out in L.A. before the combine. He gets on a Southwest Airlines flight and then ends up sitting next to Sean McVay. You know, it was... We obviously weren't in the quarterback market. He was training out here. Southwest flight, we got the early boarding. We sat right next to each other. It was the only direct flight from LAX to Indy. And 
Um, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, you could just see he's a guy, he's a man's man. He loves football. He's a great competitor. And, you know, we were just talking. We weren't in the mix to even have a chance of getting him. We had just come off losing, uh, you know, the Super Bowl. And, you know, Jared was doing a great job for us. So um, that was kind of the extent of it. And then we've seen each other in passing. And I've always been a fan of his. I talked to him a little bit before we played Carolina this year when he had the ankle injury. But you know what? I think I ended up uh, seeing him right there. And I said, I'm going to prevent you from having to talk to somebody. It was probably... Uh, I, I ended up sitting next to him. He was probably rolling his eyes. I, I had about 30 minutes where I kind of let him have his quiet time. And I said, all right, let's talk some ball, man. So it was fun. The, uh, the, the fact that he came in and only had so many reps and so much time, I mean, you know, I, look, it, it, was, it was fun to watch last night. I, it's kind of like when Jeff Saturday, Mike, took over for the Indianapolis Colts and they got the win against the, the, the Raiders and everything was joyous. And then they fell back to reality. I have a feeling that the Rams are going to fall back to reality. Oh, that's a great example. I didn't even think of that. That's a tremendous example. Um, so f- for this situation, though, I mean, Baker Mayfield had one practice where he got 20 reps. 20 reps, that's it. The rest is walkthrough and cramming and talking languages and that and making it up on the sidelines as they, as they went, you know, series by series. Uh, and I, I, I found this fascinating from Sean McVay last night. You know, there's a lot of concept carryover with things that he's done. You know, you should see his notebook and how quickly he got himself up to speed. But it was one practice. You know, we had a ten, we had two 10-play periods, uh, you know, whatever it would be on a Friday on Tuesday. Made some throws and was able to do some different things. I mean... I just can't say enough about how impressed I am with just the command, the comfort, even just the operation. I mean, being able to just call the plays within the 40-second play clock or even 25 seconds out of a clock stoppage. or It, it was, uh, I mean, it, it's, I'm still kind of like, what the hell's going on right now? So. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I mean, it's certainly been a, a, a at least for a short period of time, a boost of confidence for Baker Mayfield. Maybe it'll get him on another progressive commercial. Right, you know, and Mayfield was living at the stadium in Cleveland and all the hype and then having to go through coaching turnover, offensive coordinator turnover, you know, roster turnover. has not been easy. And then the same situation out in Carolina. And he mentions that one of the guys in his background was Bill Callahan. Now, mm-hmm. when you talk to Charles Woodson about the Raiders team, the loss to the Buccaneers 20 years ago in the Super Bowl, he hates Bill Callahan, hates him thought that he was the reason that they didn't win that Super Bowl because they had such a great roster. I think Callahan later ended up with Mike Shanahan and the Redskins and two young assistants named Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur. But anyway, Baker Mayfield says that one of the guys that taught him this certain NFL language was Bill Callahan. Listen to this. You know, I I used to not necessarily complain about the fact that I had that many different offensive systems and having to learn that, but... It came in handy when having to learn a crash course and being able to relate, relate certain things. And, uh, you know, Sean's protection scheme is similar to Bill Callahan's who I had in Cleveland. So the terminology with that, that knocks out a big chunk of the learning curve um, and just trying to learn all the, the modes and the terminology for that. It's, it's tough, um, but those guys did a great job of helping me out communicating when I got off the field on the sideline and just talking about what the plays that are coming up. Oh, I'm probably going to take a deep breath. Um, I, like I said earlier, I'm extremely thankful. Um, you know, praise the Lord. I mean, I just, it's been a tough year, to be honest with you, and this is, uh, it's been a good way to uh, kickstart this journey here. It's, it's wild. The, the other thing, 
uh, I guess, to the opposite side of the coin, Mike, is the fact that, boy, if you're if you're part of the Raiders, oof, boy, you just took a really ugly loss. You you had a streak. You thought you were going to go in and get a win. Continued the upward ascent towards a wild card spot in the AFC, and boy, did you just take a hit. Derek Carr, you traded for Devontae. You know, Mark Davis must be going nuts for that. That you thought that this was. This was a Rams team that was so wounded and six losses in a row. And in L.A., you know, it's almost like being at a Packers game in Detroit or maybe in years past with the Vikings or Bears. There's a lot of Raiders fans in the stands in Southern California. And Josh McDaniels up there last night having to explain how they let that one slip away. They played hard and made one more than we did. Um, thought we had opportunities, obviously, to to help close the game out. But... Uh, Certainly didn't do enough, so um, none of us did enough. So, <laughs> Josh McDaniels is—he's not a good head coach. I, what, what else to say? A terrific offensive play caller, but for the most part, just a, a train wreck as a, as a head coach. Uh, we're joined by Mike Clemens. We're going to step out, take a quick break. We're going to come back more with Mike coming up next on the Bill Michael. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. to Watson, give it to Dillon, and A.J. Dillon on the move into the end zone. It's a touchdown, and the Packers are within a score. Sammy had a really, really great block outside. Pretty sure he had a corner on him. He locked him up, and then uh, pretty sure the D.N. spiked down inside. O-line did a great job blocking him with me. One-on-one against the safety, and you got to get those uh, as many times as you can, so it was awesome. I heard my mom cry. Welcome back to the program. Good to have you. Mike Clemens joining us on board today. Good as always. And, uh, well, you know what? Um, <laughs> Ben's just cranking it out today. Uh, always good to have Mike on with us. Uh, so, Mike, uh, look, uh, you know, we're coming into the weekend. We've got uh, a little bit of time to kind of rest and relax a little bit because the Packers don't even play a week from Sunday. They play a week from Monday. So now it's just about whether or not you get a few teams to uh, lose this weekend. The Packers continue their hope. They continue to strive to move forward, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, well, with the teams that the you know, Packer fans are supposed to be pulling for, like if Seattle wins or a couple of other teams, they win their games to help uh, in, increase the chances of the Packers. Uh, I'm sure that you know, the Matt Wolfer will be keeping an eye on those games. Um, yeah, it's another week where you could get some guys rested up. And number one is Aaron Rodgers and the rib injury. I think that that's probably right. not giving him more trouble than the thumb at this point. Uh, although, I'm sure we're going to find out that uh, you know he he may need surgery on the thumb when the season's all over with. You know, who knows? And that, maybe that explains a lot in terms of his accuracy and and what they were what they weren't able to accomplish at times on offense this year. So, Mike, you and I were talking the other night. Uh, we were talking about what this team, you know, kind of uh, needs to do moving forward. Uh, I, you know, I mean, like Ben, he can't wait to see Jordan Love. Brian Gutekind says they want to win every game. Uh, Rodgers obviously wants to play until they're mathematically eliminated. There's a lot of things over the next few weeks, I would assume, that are probably going to happen that are going to be of a higher level of sensitivity. You know what I mean? And most importantly is... After three years of 13-win seasons, you know, here Matt LaFleur is now faced with probably the the greatest adversity he has faced in year four as a head coach in the NFL. 
and how does he pull all of those factions together and you know finish out the season with respect and and still you know have Aaron Rodgers excited for coming back next year i i believe that that's what this whole organization is set up for that they want to get Aaron Rodgers a ring they think that Aaron Rodgers is their best chance at getting a ring uh, um, and, you know, like the old Oprah bit, you get a ring, you get a ring, you get a ring. Right. Um, Murphy wants one so he can retire. Gutekinds wants one so that he can have another three, four years of job security. Same thing with LaFleur. Uh, that only lasts so long, depending on where you are. If you work for Jeff Lurie in the Philadelphia Eagles, you can win the Eagles' first Super Bowl and then have the place completely wiped out two and a half years later because you've got a quarterback controversy between – you know, D- Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz and that whole scene. So, um, you know, the, the Super Bowl rings will will protect your job in the NFL for, for just so long, probably in Green Bay a little bit longer. I think LaFleur now has to figure out how he's going to be the Baker Mayfield run offense with the Rams. I think things were looking a lot better before last night that uh, the Rams were going to be a much easier team that they could – try and tag uh, with a loss uh and and after that um i, I it's this th- situation on defense and are, you know are guys not buying in is the scheme just been that inept are guys not buying into the scheme i mean it's it's hard to figure out but um it's strange to me bill watching the bears game a second and third time on Monday night and Tuesday, I didn't really see those guys on the Packers defense flying around until the Packers came up and that now they were lead, they were behind 19-17. And it's almost like you started seeing linebackers and veteran safeties and these kinds of players saying, okay, now I start flying around. Now mm-hmm. I start putting my body on the line, trying to deflect a pass. Uh, now I actually wrap up and hit people i don't just sort of you know use a couple arms and hope that i bring the the runner down i'm out there to hit people i'm going to put a shoulder into a guy the david montgomery tackle the other night uh last sunday rather was just ridiculous you you get that 56 yard play to equinemia st brown and then the bears come out and they line up and they run the play and the Bears call a timeout. They show you that they were intending on first and goal from the seven that they're going to hand off to David Montgomery. And what do the Packers do? Nothing. Because right. the Bears call their timeout. They get their blocking situation. Montgomery lines up in the backfield, and he walks in off the left-hand side. Past guys like Adrian Amos you know, and Preston Smith. It's, just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, Mike, you're sitting here talking about the, 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 the try, so to speak. It looked like there was a different gear. I've been saying that all along. Go back to the game in which they, what, had 22 missed tackles. It looked like, you know, if you're just a step quicker, if you're just a little bit more effort, if you're just a little bit more energy, rather than kind of looking as if you're going through the motions, 
you're instead of reaching out to try to grab a guy for an arm tackle, you actually get a shoulder into the guy. You know what I mean? It's this is what I've been trying to explain to people. It's you know, yeah, there's guys out there playing and it's sometimes it's not always the scheme. It's the emotion or the energy with which some of these guys play. And if they're playing just a bit quicker, just a, a half step faster, it's a difference between getting a guy past you in an arm tackle versus maybe throwing a shoulder into somebody and actually taking them down. And it, it seemed like it came back in the second half late in the second half of that game against the Bears. But that to me has been what's missing because you go back to Joe Barry doesn't challenge anybody. He doesn't put that pep in their steps, so to speak. In in three and a half years, Bill, for Matt Lafleur as a head coach to solve these problems, I can count on one hand where I got a whiff of something that the players were told, maybe in a group team meeting, or maybe even a breakoff meeting at quarterback's room or wide receivers, that Lafleur is just in there teaching technique, technique, technique. This is the way it's supposed to be done. Here's why it's supposed to be done. Here's how this layers into that. Here's how we mirror the running game with the receiving game, etc. And I think there's a lot of things that LaFleur says in front of the media and before the cameras that is the tip of the iceberg of what he said in the team meeting. And I think he thinks, because I think he's a very straightforward guy like that, is that that's how you build your credibility with the organization, the people upstairs in the front office, your players, your equipment manager, and, and your fans on the out there in the media is that, it, this is a consistent message of mine. It doesn't get too deep. There's nothing too fancy. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not doing weird behind the scenes things. This stuff we, we we just put it out there to be exposed. So, all right, that's fine. But in the meantime, you're you're still looking for some of those back channels and what buttons is he going to push? And when the head coach comes out there one week and says, "Yeah, we had 15 missed tackles," and then the next week he comes out there. And, and after a loss, and it goes from 15 to 20. To, yeah, we counted 22 missed tackles in that game. Or And I went back over to the Giants game because, to me, that was like the turning point on this season when they got smashed in the mouth in London by the Giants and did not expect that. What did Matt LaFleur talk about all weekend? The Wink Martindale defense. Oh, right. man, how physical these guys are. You know, I really respect him for that. And it's almost like it's almost like a kid at Christmas time at the dinner table saying, "You know, that train track looks really cool, man. I got a friend that's got one of those things." Yeah, you know. Right? I think LaFleur drops these 500-pound hints right there at the podium, right there in front of everybody else. Like mm-hmm. that's the way it should be. That's what it looks like. That's the kind of defense that I'm looking for, and he's not getting it. Mike, good stuff as always. Uh, this weekend should be an easy one. Although we'll uh, we'll see you here tomorrow night, right? See you tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm. I'm yep. I, I really don't own an ugly Christmas sweater, so I'm thinking about just getting to going to the thrift store, buying a Bears jersey, and putting a Christmas tree on it. Okay. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> All right, bud. We'll see you tomorrow. Talk to you later. There you go, Mike Clemens. Joining us for a couple of minutes, 877-867-1670. When we come back, we have got an update on one of the uh, Ben Kenny goofy stories. We've got an update. No, it's not the fishing story with weights, but uh, it's it's the no! one that's close. <laughs> yes, we've got an update on the uh, on one of the, the Ben Kenny goofy stories that has come out. This portion of the mic is always brought to you, by the way, uh, from our friends at BayMotelGreenBay.com. Don't forget to go to Motel. GreenBay.com. Stay tuned. We got one final segment to wrap up your week, a Packerless week. That is coming up next. 
This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers have been pleased with the performance of Keyshawn Nixon as a kick returner and defensive back. Last Sunday against the Bears, Nixon came up with a key interception to end the game. Against the Eagles, he returned five kickoffs for 172 yards, the best in over 15 years in Green Bay. Matt Lofler was asked if Nixon had met his expectations after special teams coach Rich Bisaccia recommended him. Well, I would say that he's probably exceeded what my expectations were, which is always uh, a good thing. So um, I think he's he's really done a great job, and he's he's got a great attitude, and he practices hard, and I think it's reflective in his play. Nixon says it's true that sometimes a change of scenery, like from Nevada to Wisconsin, can improve a player's numbers. Ten times better here than I did any time, my all years with the Raiders, just because fresh start, new team, new coaches, like, you know, you're not, it's like a new feel. Like, I ain't never really played in the cold. I kind of like the little game day atmosphere in the cold, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's just a new juice. I'm excited, you know. And last night, the Packers' next opponent, the Rams, won a thriller 17-16 over the Las Vegas Raiders. Up next, the Rams are coming to Green Bay to play the Packers Monday, December 19th. Sean McVay. I think it's really just taking things a day at a time, but hopefully we'll have a little bit more things that we can present uh, to what we know is an excellent Green Bay team. I don't care what their record is. Um, You know, know them too well, their personnel, their coaches. Um, And it's going to be a great challenge going to Lambeau on Monday night. That's Rams head coach Sean McVay. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Welcome back. Final segment before we get out of here for the week. The Bill Michaels Show continuing on. The snow has subsided and actually begun to melt as I'm watching it just slide off of the top of the Tiki Hut and slide down the roof and and kind of waste away to nothing. It was looking cool for a little bit, and now it's just dropping away. Uh, actually, I was looking at the thermometer outside the house. It's 36 degrees, so that's yeah, nothing but drizzle and luck at this point. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we get see Ben Kenny always digs for this stuff. Ben, do you want to do the honors of this thing? I have to give a shout out. It was actually brought to my attention. I guess this is the power of what we do. This okay. article was uh, someone tagged me in it. Evan tagged me in it on Twitter. So thank you, Evan. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, one of the stories we covered. No, it's not the fishing scandal. It is the Irish dancing sex scandal. That tells you enough about it. Alleged sex, for the record. Well, alleged sex, yeah. It's alleged all alleged. Sex. Yeah, it's all it's all code. It's shillelagh and stuff like that. We knew what was going on. I don't want to be liable, you know, if someone writes an article based <laughs> off what we say. Like, right. It's alleged, you know. Um, but, yes, the BBC, big broadcasting company, was doing a documentary on this dancing league and all of the uh, – uh, all the groups that would go to these competitions and, and put on all this stuff. They were doing a documentary. They have since canceled the documentary uh, over, quote, serious allegations of competition fixing. We also learned, Bill, that 44 people 
were suspended from judging. Suspended for what? We don't know. Mm -hmm. It's all hearsay at this point. Uh, Text messages from parents would make you think that maybe there were some sexual favors given. But again, that is only alleged. Not, not Not by the girls, but by the teachers, the instructors and such. Correct. And the judges. The school owners, yes. And the judges. So that's where we are. I would have loved to see the documentary. Like if we really want to, if BBC really wants to make it big, like uh, Netflix is doing a documentary on the PGA Tour this season. And obviously Live happened and it's going to be a crazy documentary Mm -hmm. because it was an insane year. If you want people to watch this documentary, I kind of feel like you go through with it, right? Oh, yeah. You got to do it. Yeah. Well, they're proper over there. They're, you know, they keep their sex and violence and stuff hidden. Whereas over here, we, you know, we promote it. So nothing, nothing, nothing says you got to watch like flying feet and sex. Just <laughs> throwing it out there. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. I'm not going to cut that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, the Belfast production company, Stellify Media, commissioned by the BBC to produce the series, not going to do it. Uh, they said that uh, the independent investigation led by Mr. Justice Michael Pert, uh, the retired judge of the Irish Court of Appeals, recommended that 44 people face those disciplinary charges. And uh, apparently, uh, for those that are just tuning in and have never heard anything about this over in Ireland, there was these Irish dance competitions. And so it, what was happening was is these you know young boys and girls were going out and doing these, you know, the Irish jigs and dances and the flying of the feet and tapping the shoes and the whole bit. And uh, what was happening was is the teachers, because if they if their school wins or their students win, they then garner more and more and more enrollment, which actually equals a lot of money for them. So what they were doing was they were trading sexual favors with the judges, or at least allegedly. Allegedly, wink, yes. Wink, nod, nod. <laughs> uh, you know, polishing the shillelagh uh, for uh, judges to vote in their direction. And so that that's what was then they got busted. How'd they originally get busted? That's what I want to know. I think text messages from parents. Is that what it was? Yeah, Somebody the, slipped up and... The Irish Karens got involved. Okay. So the parents... Uh, and that's usually... That's Irish Catholic. I mean, like, hardcore Irish Catholic. So what they're doing over there was probably not met with the most uh, open of arms, if you will. So, yeah, we had the uh, the Irish dance scandal. We had the, uh, the fishing scandal with the guys putting weights in the... Uh, in the walleyes. Uh, what else was the other scandal we had? The chess one, which the chess is yes, still the ongoing. Guy was, the guy was sticking vibrating anal beads. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, allegedly, where he was, you know, <laughs> he was, not, for whatever reason, I don't know what he was doing, but he was learning some kind of Morse code where vibrating anal beads were telling him what moves to make on a chessboard. Um, but... <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, 2022, you can't go away fast enough. Let's see what 2023 is going to bring. Pick your scandal in 2023. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. So this weekend, uh, everybody gets a break. Uh, we're going to watch some basketball tonight. Uh, college football, Army, Navy tomorrow. Some more basketball tomorrow. Uh, Bucks on Sunday. You got NFL on Sunday. Got the uh, the Christmas party here coming up this weekend on the bye week. Uh, we'll be back at it on Monday and kind of recap the week. Pay attention to us over on Instagram. Uh, the real Bill Michaels, I believe it's on Instagram and then uh, Twitter as well. Uh, Bill underscore Michaels, Facebook, uh, the Bill Michaels show. Um, throw some pictures up and that kind of stuff. Should be a fun weekend. Ben, enjoy your weekend, man. You as well. You as well. Root for the under right, on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an ugly weekend for sure. Uh, I can just feel it in my bones. 
They have it. All right, that'll do it. As we always say, time for us to get out of here. Have a going. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.